The scripture this morning is from the book of Jonah, various verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amate, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned away from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The book of Jonah is a small book in the minor prophet section of the Old Testament. Jonah is not mentioned many times in the Bible. It's only mentioned one or two times in the epistles of the New Testament. He has his book. It's not said much. But it is one of the, the books that is mentioned the most office, often by those who are called to ministry. Our own Jane was on the board of ordained ministry for many years, and she heard it said over and over by those called to candidacy that their call story was Jonah. God calls you to ministry, you look at God and you go, oh no, and you run as far as you can the other way. God calls you again, you say, are you insane? And you run farther away. God calls you the third time and you kind of drop your head and you're like, okay, let me check this one out. And you go forward. God always finds you wherever you hide. My call story is Jonah. I ran for years before God finally dragged me in and I found out where my place was to be. So I kind of get Jonah, kind of like Jonah. But Jonah had to be taught a lesson, and that's where God comes in. God went to Jonah and told Jonah what he had to do. Now, Jonah was a unique prophet. He wasn't the first prophet that didn't think he was the right man for the job. Moses, when God called him, told God, he's like, God, I can't speak well, I stutter, I am not the man for the job. And then God talked to him a few more times, and Moses said, okay, I'll do it. 
Then Jeremiah was called, and he went up to God, and he's like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm just a youth. I cannot do this job. And God told him, hey, I've known you since before you were born. I had this all planned out. And Jeremiah said, okay, no problem. I'll do what you ask me. Then he went to Jonah, and God said, Jonah, I want you to do this job. And Jonah went, sure, God, no problem. And as soon as God left, he turned around and ran as far as he could to Tarshish. Sneaky guy. Now, Jonah was a monotheist, believe in one God, but he was living in a world of polytheists. So I thought, you know what? Maybe they have something. Because in polytheism, you believe that one God serves and only rules over the land, and then there's another one that rules over the ocean, and that one God rules over Rockford, and another God rules over Love's Park. So if he could get in a boat and get as far away from where he lived in Tarshish to the end of the world, maybe God couldn't get him there. So that's why he immediately got off the land into water and was heading as far away as he could. And he got on the boat. God didn't stop him. So he gets on the boat and he thinks, hey, I'm free and clear. He gets in the bottom of the boat. He falls asleep. He's feeling good. And then that storm came up. And the, the sailors on the boat wake him up, and they're like, we're going down. You have to get up and start bailing water with us. So he gets up, and he sees that the sailors are up there casting lots, trying to figure out whose God is mad at who, so they can figure out who to toss over the side of the boat. And he goes, you know, it's me. Toss me over the side of the boat. They're like, no. No, we're going to figure this out. And they toss one more lot, and they're like, yeah, sorry, dude. And you're going over. But God wasn't done with Jonah yet. So that's where the whale comes in. As they go to toss Jonah over, the whale is there ready to catch him. I always thought that part was a little silly. But did you guys watch on the news this week, those whale watchers in that little boat? A blue whale came up and went under their boat with its mouth open because it was catching prey. And its mouth was big enough to eat three of those people at one time. So I'm kind of thinking maybe this was true. So Jonah got off that boat and went into a whale for a three-day whale timeout. God kept him there. After three days, Jonah learned his lesson. God's like, okay, whale, he can come out. But it wasn't like a magical thing where Jonah was in the whale and then Jonah was on dry land. No, he's like still a little irritated with them. So whale, I want you to vomit him out on the land. I love that in the Bible, it actually says that he was vomited out. Kind of gross when you think of it. So there is Jonah mixed with whale vomit on the beach. And that's when God talks to Jonah for the second time. And tells Jonah, now I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell the people that in 40 days I'm going to destroy them. And Jonah gets up and he goes to Nineveh and he thinks he's going to have to walk across the city for three days. But in only one day, the people of Nineveh hear his message and they change their lives. The king of Nineveh is said to have actually ripped his clothing, put on sackcloth, 
told everybody in Nineveh that they too are to wear only sackcloth from infant to the oldest person. And even their animals, every animal, is to have sackcloth on. Can you imagine your dogs walking around with sackcloth on? Now, sackcloth is a material that makes your skin break out in sores. It is something that is seriously uncomfortable to wear. And not only that, but they were to begin a fast that would last for days. They immediately repented all of the evil that they had done. They not only repented, but they repented in a way that God could see. They truly meant that they were going to turn their life around, that they were sorry for the evil that they had done, which was great, and that they were going to now align themselves with the way God wanted them to live. And Jonah was mad. So the next thing we see is Jonah is sitting against the wall in the desert. And he sees God, and God comes up to him, and he lets God have it. He says, I told you that I did not want to go to Nineveh. I told you that I didn't want to say this because I knew you were merciful, and you were slow to anger, and you have grace, and you were not going to destroy those people. That's why I ran away, because those people need to be destroyed. Because Nineveh was Jonah's enemy. He didn't want to bring those people into righteousness with God. He wanted God to destroy those people. So then God lets him have a say, and he leaves him there. And he's not doing well because of the direct heat, so God then grows him a beautiful vine with all these beautiful leaves on the top, and gives him shade. And so Jonah feels good for about a, a day. And then God has that vine die. We're going to leave it there for a second. We'll come back to the story. It's easy for us, how many thousands of years later, to say, God called Jonah. Jonah should have done what God said. Jonah knew that God could be forgiving if people repented, the city repented. What was Jonah's deal? He should have known better because we're not emotionally involved with what happened to Jonah. It was a war so long ago that we have no what they call skin in the game, no emotional involvement. But what if we put it into something that we know about today? We've been at war for my children, who are 26 and 28, their entire lives. My children don't know a world where we haven't been at war. They know about Desert Storm. They know about um, suicide bombing. They know about terrorists. They know about homegrown ter terrorists. My youngest daughter even knows what it's like to be at home while her husband is off fighting a war in Iraq. They know war. I grew up after being five from that point on until I was quite a, in my 40s. I knew peace. Had no idea what living with a war would be like. My children know nothing but war. So think about this. 
Think about if God called one of the surviving first responders from ground zero. Somebody that was there and lost so many of their buddies and their comrades. A firefighter who saw many of his friends die, police die, civilians die, for no reason other than terrorists decided to make a statement that we continue to be in war against Al-Qaeda and ISIS, that there still are many families mourning the loss of loved ones, people trying to get on with a life that will never be the same again, soldiers coming home broken in mind and body, creating families that are broken as part of the fallout. Picture one of those people called by God and told, now, I want you to go to Mosul in Iraq, which is the home base now of ISIS. And I want you to go to Mosul, and I want you to bring the message that I will destroy them in 40 days unless they repent. Now, I want you to think that after this person walks through for one day, that suddenly they repent. They put on the sackcloth, they fast, and they say, hey, we were wrong. We were so wrong. We are sorry. We are so sorry of what we did, and now we are going to repent. We're going to make sure that God knows in our hearts that we are not going to do this anymore. We repent. We are sorry. God's not going to destroy the city. God is going to be happy that no longer is this city going to be evil. These people are opening their hearts to what truly the pillars of Islam call them to be. No longer are they taking a beautiful religion and twisting it for a perverted purpose. They are going to be on the right path, showing love for the world, fitting in God's kingdom the way God calls them to be. They are going to turn that path. God is going to show them favor. Now let's go back to Jonah. So God has put that wonderful leaf over his head and then he killed that leaf. And he looks up at God and he's like, why do you keep doing this? Why do you take something that's good and then destroy it? I really liked that leaf. Why do you keep doing this? And God looks at him and he's like, I don't get you. You're all upset with me because you had a leafy vine and I killed it. But you're also upset with me because I didn't kill all of the people in Nineveh. I didn't kill the children. I didn't kill the babies. I didn't kill the women. I didn't kill the men. Why is it okay for you if I killed them, but the vine I was supposed to be okay, leave alone? And the answer is, is because Jonah still hated the people of Nineveh. They were the enemy. He hadn't forgiven them. He wanted them destroyed because he still had pain in his heart. 
And he thought if God wiped them off of the face of the earth, whether they were innocent civilians or not, then it would be okay. We have that problem too. How do we live in a world and find peace if we hold that anger into us? When God chose Jonah, I believe, I don't think he was just sending Jonah to bring a message to Nineveh. I think he was also trying to have Jonah have a message to himself. I think he was sending a message that peace cannot come on this earth if we don't all change the way we look at each other. Yes, those that are doing evil in this world need to change their hearts, need to open up their lives and see each other as valuable human beings, need to see that we are men and women, children of God, all of us, and that killing over ideology and religion is wrong. That is not what God wants. But we also need to see each other as children of God. We have the hard job of forgiving our enemies, loving our enemies, praying for our enemies, exactly like Christ taught us to do. It's so easy to pray for those we love. It's so easy to pray for those that we agree with. It's so easy to pray for our allies in a war. It is not easy to pray for those that hurt us. It's not easy to pray for those that hurt our loved ones. It is not easy for those that make, to pray for those that make the world an unsafe place. But that's exactly what God is calling for us to do. That is exactly what God wanted Jonah to do. That is exactly what Christ actually tells us to do. That it's no big deal if we pray for those that are good. It's more important that we pray for those that are different. That we pray for those that have hurt us. That we pray for those that need our prayers the most. That's the hard work. God sent Jonah out in the world to make sure to enable that this kingdom on earth could be the same as the heavenly kingdom. That peace could be here on earth. God calls each one of us to do the exact amount of work. Christ told each one of us that we are responsible for bringing the heavenly kingdom here on earth. One part of our job is to truly love our neighbor, even if our neighbor does not love us back. We are to pray for our neighbors. We are to pray for our enemies. We are to pray for those who do not want peace in the world. We are to pray for ourselves when we have anger and hatred that we let those go. We are to pray that truly peace can be on both sides of issues and war. We are to pray to bring the heavenly kingdom here on earth. That is what God wants us to do. That is the message of Jonah. Amen.